You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to an all new episode of Interview with a Nerd. I am your host, Richard Cardenas. How you all doing? Um, so, yeah, this episode is coming out on Labor Day. I hope you guys are all having a good Labor Day. And if you haven't listened to it on Labor Day, well, I hope you had a good one. Um, hopefully, uh, most of you are having the day off and uh, barbecuing, celebrating. What, what do y'all do on Labor Day? I... I'm recording it prior to Labor Day, but we'll be coming out on Labor Day. So uh, hopefully I'm having a good one as well. I'm going to a barbecue with a few friends, so that should be nice. Uh, maybe we'll play some board games. Speaking of board games, um, so this past Friday, I got a few friends together. There were six of us, and we played a game called, uh, called Charterstone. And how I found out about this game was on Instagram, I follow... Uh, Megan Fitzmartin of the Wine and Comics podcast. And uh, she had posted a story of herself playing the game. And she posted a a photo of one of the characters alongside like a companion character or something like that. And she gave them like a little story and stuff. And uh, I was like, what is this? It looks so adorable. I need to play it. And so she told me it was Charterstone, found out what it was. Okay, so it's a legacy game. I don't know if you all are familiar with legacy games, but this was my first experience with one, and I didn't really even know that it was a thing, like legacy games. I didn't know legacy games were a thing, but apparently they're game. Not apparently. They are games that last over several sessions, uh, kind of like a D&D uh, lasts many sessions, a D&D campaign. This uh, is like that, but it's a board game. Um, well, I guess D&D can be a board game as well, but <laughs> these are... Not D and D. Anyway, this is kind of like a uh, Settlers of Catan type of thing, where you uh, start off with a board. I know Settlers starts off with different pieces, but uh, you start off with a board, and everyone has their little area to fill in, and so you start building things, and like they come with stickers, so that you permanently affix them to the board, and that game becomes permanent. Um, and it comes two sided. The board so that uh, once you're done with one game you can play it on the other game and they have these like refill uh, packs that they sell separately so that if you want to play a second game you are able to do that without buying a whole new brand um, a whole brand new uh, box and yeah so I, I was able to get some friends together to do this campaign it's going to last about 12 games long so that seems nice uh, I think I paid maybe about like 40 45 dollars for this game which sounds pricey but there are so many games out there that are about that uh, price so uh, I am very much into board games so it was not that big of a deal for me uh, I mean money wise yeah I don't like spending that much money on things but uh, as far as will I get anything out of this will i get entertainment and joy yes i know i will so it's worth it for me so anyway we played it it was a lot of fun there was a lot of confusion i shouldn't have drank as drunk drank drinking uh, i shouldn't have had as much wine as i did prior to the game because uh i actually did a lot of looking into what the game was how it starts and everything because i wanted to come prepared and once we started playing all of that just went out the window <laughs> so uh i was uh having a nice little buzz having a good time but uh luckily we had a friend there who was a stickler for the rules and she 
uh, just dove right into it and and got us where we needed to go. Uh, anyway, it was a fun game. I really enjoyed it. It gets really silly. You can create your own stories. You know, you name your own your your own section of the board game. You name your own characters. You get to name the the assistants that you collect as well. And uh, we only played one game, and we'll be continuing it. You know, throughout the months. And uh, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. The next one I want to try out, maybe after I get into this one a little bit more, but the next one I want to try out is called uh, Pandemic. I don't know if any of you know what that game is, but it's a game, it's a board game where it's a cooperative game that you work with other players to stop diseases from spreading uh, around the world. And it's very stressful if you play with uh, the hardest uh, it comes with different cards and depending on how many um, infections you put into the uh, the deck, it makes it harder and harder. So if you put all of them in there, that's the hardest game you can play. It's very stressful, but I really like that kind of stress, I think, <laughs> for these kinds of games because uh, you really have to strategize with all your friends. You know, you have to talk about, you know, where are you going to go next, how you're going to build a uh, uh, different quarantine centers or or research labs or whatever they're called. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Anyway, so that's that's what I did this past Friday. Other than that, there's not really too much going on. There is uh, there are two movies that I'm going to be talking about at the end for my recommendations. But so far, that's it. I'm not recommending Charterstone yet because although I did have a really good time playing it, I don't know how it's all going to play out. I can only imagine it's going to get better. But uh, so far, not recommending them. Just letting you know my little experience so far. So once I'm done, I'll let you guys know. Um, I've had a little bit of wine today too, uh, right before this. So if I sound a little slurry or loopy or, or hyper, then that's probably what it is. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm not going to be talking about news today and I don't have a recap again. Sorry about that. Uh, I will get back into that when I have a little bit more time to do so. But uh, this one, uh, this episode was a lot of fun to record. Let's just get into it. Oh, by the way, how are you all doing? Did I ask you that? I hope you I hope you've been good. <laughs> um yeah, if if there is I know I haven't done any recaps in a while of comic books, but if there's anything that you guys uh have been curious about or anything that you really love that you suggest I should read, uh let me know. You can send me an email at richard at awkwardhuman.com. Um instead of Gmail, it's at awkwardhuman. So anyway, it's just my name at awkwardhuman.com. Send me an email. Let me know what you guys are loving. And um, I'll try to get a copy of that and and read it. And yeah, recap it on the show. That would be nice. Um, you could also tweet at me. I'm at Le Richard C. And um, also Instagram and Facebook. I believe you can find me at Le Richard C. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I love hearing from you guys. Uh, I do hear from some of you, but uh, we never talk about whether or not I can say the things that you say in uh on the show. So I just don't. <laughs> but there are some of you guys out there that I do talk to and it's lovely. I love it. Thank you. Um, anyway, uh, so in this episode, I talked to two returning guests. One, I hope you all are very familiar with Eric Ravenscraft. He is back. You know, I love me some Eric Ravenscraft because he, I feel just has like, uh, I don't know. He, he, the way he talks about uh, movies and games and stuff he really dissects them in an emotional way. I think like he really takes 
the uh, I hope he's not listening to this right now. <laughs> but he he really talks about these uh these things, these mediums that we're enjoying in uh in an emotional way. Like he he talks about how you relate to it and yada 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 all this stuff. And he's so much more prolific than I am when I talk about things. I I am not well spoken when I'm trying to review something. I I often have my emotions, my feelings about the thing, but I don't know how to word it quite well. And he's very poetic in the way he talks about things. I love the way he reviews things. Anyway, so enough gushing on him. There's Eric who's returning to this episode. Also, uh, someone we only had once in the past before who I would love to have back again. He was on our Moon Knight episode. This is Zachary Vado. Um, he is also back and we're talking about Animorphs. I don't know if I've said that yet, but you've read the title of the episode. So we're talking about Animorphs, which is so weird because it's a it's a book series that was also a TV series, I suppose. I mean, not I suppose it was. Um, and uh, I've never really thought about this series because I never read it as a kid. Um, I think we go into it a little bit in, in the interview, but I was into goosebumps and so I never got into um animorphs and I don't necessarily think that you had to do one or the other I just feel like a lot of people did one or the other there were some people who did both but for whatever reason you fell into one or the other uh and so I ended up going into goosebumps and now I don't know that's just the way it was I also read some boxcar children which was like so weird because as a kid like kind of wishing that you lived in a boxcar with your 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 siblings is <laughs> just weird <laughs> um you know you grow up I'm an adult now and hopefully you guys all realize that I'm an adult now and I don't like I think back on it and I'm like why would I ever want that like I no, <laughs> that's not anything that I would have liked I don't think but you know as a kid you you like these different fantasies. Anyway, I'm just rambling on about nonsense. We're talking about Animorphs in this episode, and it gets deep. Um, there are some fucked up things that happen in this series, which I never realized, and so that was nice to learn about. Um, I I told them on the show that I was reading the first book. I didn't get, uh, <laughs> I didn't finish it in time for the interview, but um, I'm continuing to read it. I'm probably about a fourth of the way through. They're not giant books. They're not hard to read, but I just got to find the time for them. Because uh, right now I'm currently reading a book called The Line of Beauty, which uh, I talked a little bit about on the Awkward Human Survival Guide in this past episode, but that we released maybe? I don't remember. But anyway, uh, that is an interesting book. It's a queer book. It's about a, uh, a gay man who is living in the 80s in uh, the UK and he, why am I talking about this? I shouldn't be talking about this. We're going into the interview. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, here's the interview. This is Eric Ravenscraft and Zachary Vaudo. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. Okay, I am here with uh, returning guests, Eric Ravenscraft. Hello, Raven. I mean, I called you Raven. Um, hello, you, Eric. You can. I've always Run wanted to get people to call me my last name. <laughs> Um, and we have also Zach Vado. Hi. Hi. Okay, so um, <laughs> the reason we're doing this specific episode is because I didn't know this, but apparently Animorphs has uh, still a strong uh, fan base. And I, I kind of uh, slid into one of your tweets, and I had noticed that you both 
tweet about animorphs often. <laughs> so I slid in there. You guys were talking about some Klondikes or whatever they're called. And uh, yeah, and then <laughs> oh, we set we this whole thing up. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that was Andalites. Is I don't that, know anymore. That, that makes more sense, yeah. probably. <laughs> what would you do for an Andalite bar? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, uh, but, um, before we get into all the Animorphs talks, uh, I want to know what you guys have been enjoying recently. Uh, I can go first. Uh, so the series Castle Rock is on Hulu right now. Um, it's a Stephen King based story. Uh, they just released episode seven the other day and my girlfriend is downstairs waiting for me to watch it with her. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's sort of a, a, I'm not really sure exactly how, but it's an amalgamation of all of Stephen King's different stories all in one. So the story takes place in Maine, where all Stephen King stories do. And there's characters named after like people in The Shining. They've referenced Cujo, Pet Cemetery. Uh, there's some, I don't know if there's been many references to it just yet. Uh, Shawshank, Redemption, like there's, like pieces of all of his different stories in here. And so if you're a Stephen King fan, which I'm like 20%, uh, <laughs> I haven't read most of his stuff, but I know of it. Like you see all these little bits and pieces that are fitting together. And if you don't, which is 80% me, then it's still a really interesting, uh, like confusing, but in a good way, horror show. Um, I think they got like three more episodes. So I'm, I'm mostly into it. I'm curious to see where it goes because it might just be all tease and no payoff. <laughs> but so far, I'm really enjoying it. And it's had some of the best horror scenes I've seen in a while. Oh, um, I've heard that it's kind of a, a, a slow burn. How do you feel about that? I, I think that's fair. I think I was I was not really sold until around the you know, third or fourth episode. And now I'm like, OK, I'm into it. I'm, I'm into this. But I don't know if I love it yet. Mm -hmm. So. Like, I'm still in the middle of the slow burn. Do you know if I know nothing about the show other than that it's kind of like what you said in Amalgamation of all his work? Is this adapted from a book or is it just like they're putting stuff together? I, I don't know if it's directly adapted from any specific book. Um, I am told by Steve, like harder core Stephen King fans than I am that if anything, it's close to the Dark Tower. But I, I don't mm. think it's that story. I think it's just the concept. Yeah, Which based on the way you described it, it sounds very similar to Dark Tower. Though, based on the way you described it, it also sounds very similar to the Goosebumps movie. So I'm yeah. not really going <laughs> to judge there. I, you know what? I, I, based on my limited knowledge, I feel like it's closer to call it the Goosebumps movie <laughs> of the Stephen King universe than the Which Dark Tower. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, no, that's not. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I haven't seen either Goosebumps or uh, Castle Rock yet. But um, Castle Rock is definitely on my list. I do want to check it out, uh, especially for Sissy Spacek. Oh yeah, is she is she in there a lot? What? Uh, who does she play? I don't know. What? Why would you know? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know many of the actors' names, but let me see. She's the original Carrie. Uh, oh, Ruth. Oh yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. Why am I? I dude, I'm so bad at actor names. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, I recognize her now that I looked her up. Yeah, she's in it a fair amount. And I think the episode that I haven't watched yet is all about her. Mm. And that's the one people are describing as Emmy winning television. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm going to go with yes, she's pretty important. 
Okay, well, let's get the show on the road. You got a show to watch. Uh, but before that, Zach, yeah. what have you been loving? So I have not been doing a good job of keeping up on current things. I keep falling behind on it. I still have to watch the entire most recent season of 12 Monkeys. I only just recently finished like the recent season of Flash and Arrow. So I've been watching a bunch of older stuff. Uh, I picked, I re-picked up the anime Psychopaths so I could finally watch season two. Uh, and I've been enjoying the hell out of that. Psychopaths is a cyberpunk dystopic anime. It's set in a, a future-ish kind of city where it's a little bit like Minority Report where your emotional level is monitored by the police. But instead of it being precognitive, it's in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the, the the police force, the CID actually tracks uh, your psychopath for your to measure your crime coefficient. Mm-hmm. That is how un, how unstable you are, how likely you are to commit crimes. They rank it based on like color of hues, uh, and then they take they take enforcement action. How how do they track it? Like, are there like devices in people or? Though so it's a it's a cyberpunk dystopia, so the entire city is monitored by something called the Sybil system, which is used to keep track of everybody's. Uh, crime coefficient across the city. Mm. Um, I've just recently been getting into anime. Um, mm-hmm. So that might be something I add to my list. Uh, what I've It's available on Hulu okay. uh, and Crunchyroll. Ah, okay. Yeah. I've been super into Sanrio Boys. <laughs> so not ah, quite yeah. the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the hell out of Agretzico, so I'm all about some Sanrio. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. I need to finish that show. Yeah. Agretzico uh, was so good. Also, also, uh, Ellie Collins, who you had on the show not too long ago, has been getting me into Common Writer, which I was not into <laughs> as a kid. Uh, so we have recently been watching Common Writer Kiva, which is a season that is based very heavily on the Universal Monsters mm. as part of their motif. Uh, it's and it's very, it feels very art student compared to all of the like, Japanese suits and monsters uh, shows. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. I guess I'm surprised it took that long for uh, to get you into that. She started getting me into Common Rider Double when we first started dating, uh, and then <laughs> and then all, we like we moved and lots of other stuff, and oh, yeah. now we actually have time. So back into Common Rider. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. I am writing these two down: Common Rider and Cycle Pass. You want to you want to do another interview a nerd? You can talk to her for like five fucking hours about Common Rider. <laughs> I, I think he's lowballing you. Yeah, <laughs> I will keep that in mind. Um, yeah, I uh, I got into it because I don't know if you, uh, Eric, you might know her, um, Raven. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. She was posting a lot about, well, probably not a lot, uh, but she was posting about uh, fate and. Um, I had never heard of it because I wasn't watching anime at the time. And she posted a picture of like a statue or something that she bought. And I was like, that guy is hot. Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked Adam about it and he was like, oh, it's this show. And so he uh, he got me watching it. So now I'm like trying to really get into a bunch of different anime. Um, and I've been enjoying it. Uh, one of them also is um, Tokyo Ghoul, which is oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is really neat. I like that one a lot. My Hero Academia is one of like the biggest contemporary anime going on right now. There's a lot of classic ones for you to watch, but that's the, one of the more recent ones. I say recent, like I think it's in its third season now or something. Mm-hmm. But that's really the 
big name that's happening right now. Yeah, I hear that one everywhere, but I've also heard complaints that um, it makes you feel like it's different and then it's not. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know anything about what that means either. So (laughs) it's okay by me. (laughs) Um, All right, cool. So let's get into Animorphs. Um, So this is a series that that came out uh, in the 90s. Uh, Eric and I were talking a little bit about it. And I was 10 years old, but unfortunately, I never got into it because... Uh, I, I think I was just more focused on goosebumps and I, and I, and I am getting the feeling that that's what people (laughs) did. They either went to goosebumps or they went to animorphs. They really did. Yeah, it it was, it was possible to read both because I did and I, I did collect (laughs) both, but you really either gravitated one way or the other if you were into either of them. Yeah. Because they were both the like monthly episodic uh books but like you were saying earlier richard like goosebumps was uh i'm not gonna say the word right anthological uh-huh is, is that right yeah uh, Pretty much. like like it was a new story every month whereas animorphs while they introduced you to the new elements every single time which is funny hearing them explain the word animorph in book 50 uh <laughs> there's still a through line there's a plot and if you want all of it you've got to find the books on the shelf that the bookstore might not have anymore. This was the late nineties. Not everybody had the internet to go download them. That, yeah, yeah, that, that, that is a, I guess that could be considered a shortcoming compared to goosebumps, especially for, uh, for kids uh, and the kid attention span. But if you were one of those kids that really liked to invest in stuff, Animorphs was great for you because it's like 60 something books total in this entire series. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still coming out with I, new ones? No, 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 no. no they no, no. they they wrapped that up uh, over a decade ago. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think May two thousand one is when the beginning, which is the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They wrapped that up. They wrapped that one up. Uh, I mean, it had gone on for so long. K. A. Applegate was using ghostwriters for a lot of the books at that point. Mm, yeah. uh, I think at their height, they were at their height. I think they put out like seventeen books a year. Oh my god. Which is, which is 80. more than a book a month. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I knew it was that much, but man. Um, yeah. So, yeah. A quick little confession. Um, after we established that this episode was going to happen, uh, I went out and I got the first book. And uh-huh. I uh, only got like three chapters in. Um just because I don't have time to do anything anymore. But um, I got three chapters in, and one of the funny things that I found, I mean, it's a kid's book, so, uh, you know, you take it for what it is. But one of the funny things I found is that um, there are, like, four or five main characters, and uh, they this alien spaceship just kind of comes flying down onto Earth in front of them, and they're all just, like, kind of cool with it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they 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 waste no time getting into the story. Yeah. Um. They like like most kids' books. It's just gonna it's gonna take the premise at face value. If you if you picked up one of these books, you see kids turning into animals, and the book tells you it's about aliens. Like you're you're invested in this already. You uh-huh. don't need to be sold on the concept. But I think the the interesting thing about the book, like I'm not gonna say they were well crafted. I think they're great writing, but they're not intricate layers upon layers upon layers of of prose so much as the subject matter is really intense and deep for a kid's book whereas goosebumps would give you like a watered down version of an existing horror story 
uh, Animorphs would take a concept that nobody else will tell kids about, like child soldiers or or dilemmas over free will, and they will run with it, even if it's in an accessible, like fourth grade reading level kind of way. Yeah, because I mean, it, it it borrowed it borrowed themes from things like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, it borrowed from you know motifs of war it borrowed from a lot of other science fiction uh classics but yeah it was addressing it towards kids and they had to roll right into it and it was sort of understandable they could roll right into it these are these are teenagers who spend all their time in the mall in the arcade coming out of uh you know the biggest sci-fi decade ever they're going to be okay with aliens (laughs) so we're not going to like harp on that too much and more harp on how they deal with it when they get there yeah, yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Um, what what is Animorphs? Who who are these kids, and and why are they chosen to be Animorphs? <laughs> Does that make sense? So, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, let Zach I've, handle I've, this one because I know he wants to. <laughs> so, uh, your protagonists are Jake, Rachel, Tobias, Cassie, and Marco. You do not get their last names because it is unsafe for them to give you your last name, their last names, because. Anybody that is reading the book may very well be the enemy, according to them, Mm. because Earth is being invaded by an unseen force. There's a species of aliens called the Yurks. They take over bodies, little slug-type things that take over bodies by entering your ear canal and sapping all of your free will and controlling you. So it's impossible to know who the enemy is. It's a silent invasion that's been going on for a long time. They by pure happenstance, take a shortcut home from the mall through a construction site where an alien spaceship <laughs> crashes. Uh, it's a, as, it's as a, you do. as you do, <laughs> and as, as is want to happen when you do. Uh, and they meet, oh, they meet an alien prince uh, by the name of Elfangor, who is part of a race that has been battling the Yurks forever. They're called the Andalites. Elfangor is dying. He knows that he's not very long, but he knows that Earth needs the opportunity to fight back. So he gives the kids technology that he possesses, which is the ability to morph into other animals. It's not even magical. It's not like super wiped. Away. It's not super like hand waved away. It's a little bit hand waved away. Uh, but they have a de- they have a device that they have been using to shape shift into, into other animals, mostly for fun. You find out in later books, not even for war stuff. And he gives them this technology so that they can gain the ability to transform into any animal that they touch for up to two hours so that they can fight back. Hmm. And that carries through 50-something single books, four special books, four chronicle books <laughs> for for years. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess one thing I want to add, because it happens in the first book, and this is sort of when you get a feel for like how messed up this series is. But uh, as Zach mentioned, there's a two-hour time limit, and Very at the important. end of that, yeah, at the end of that two hours, any other sh- any other book series with with less boldness, I guess, would probably be like, ah, two hours are up, you turn back into a human. In this series, you get if like if you stay in an animal morph for longer than two hours, you are trapped there. You oh. are stuck. You are stuck as that animal forever. The Andalites even have a word for it. It's called a nothlet. And at the end of the first book, spoilers, but you should have read it by now, <laughs> uh, Tobias, one of the five kids, gets trapped as a red tail hawk. Is he the nerdy one? 
They're all kind. They're all kind of the nerdy women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of the shy loner kid, and okay. his story is just tragic. Like. Part of the reason that, at least from a writing standpoint, they were able to do that and not set off a chain reaction of events is because Tobias was passed around between aunts and uncles. Nobody really cared where he was. Aww. When he became a bird and disappeared, his caretaker just assumed, oh, he ran away or he's back with one of the others. I'm not going to bother to go looking for him. And that's the beginning of the tragedy. They explore in more of his books, like he's... He's trapped in the body of a bird that still has bird instincts, sort of like you still have to wrestle with the, the animal instinct sometimes. And so like he has to eat as a bird. Mm-hmm. He has to hunt as a bird. He gets into territorial disputes with other birds. And it sounds silly when you describe it sometimes, but it's it's deeply tragic. Like this kid is alone, cut off from humanity. And that's the first book. That's where they start. <laughs> and and, and, and all, almost all the other kids are dealing with their own stuff as well. Uh, the, the kid Marco, uh, he's like the class clown of the group. But at the same time, he's also dealing uh, with a single father who still has not gotten over the death of his mother, uh, which becomes a, a plot point throughout the books. I don't – how much should I spoil? All of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. So, 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 okay. So, yeah, so, so uh, Okay, so I'll, I'll come back to that. So there's Jake, who becomes the leader of the group simply because all the kids decide, well, yeah, you're the leader of the group. Uh, and he goes, what? I don't want – okay. And so <laughs> – yeah. so, You're the Jake, Red Ranger now, Jake. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So Jake is dealing with the internal struggle of, A, I need to lead this war effort uh, that my friends have just elected me into, and B, the discovery that his own brother, his older brother, is a controller, is taken over by the Yurks, has been for a long time – and now he must keep the secret in his own house. It was bad enough that he couldn't tell his parents, hey, by the way, I'm fighting aliens from outer space. Now his own brother is the enemy. It's, you know, so he has to contend with this on a daily level. Rachel, his cousin, is, has to come to grips with the fact that she was like the preppy, you know, mall rat cheerleader girl. And she's coming to grips with the fact that she likes the war. She mm. really gets off yeah. on the war. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. is a... She is violent. She is ruthless. Marco calls her Xena. Like, <laughs> yeah. Passy is wrestling with uh, ethics the whole time. What is ethical about this? Are we doing this right? Some of these creatures, some of these animals are, are sort of sentient. The aliens that we're fighting are sort of sentient. And she has to wrestle with that constantly and gets very hypocritical about what she, uh, what she believes in throughout the entire book. And then Mark, and then Marco with his single dad, around book five, you discover that his mom isn't dead. His mom is a controller, and not only that, she's one of the highest-ranking Yurks in the entire Yurk army. She's actually responsible for the Earth invasion. Yeah. So right. all of these kids, all these kids are dealing with like massive life-changing shit while they're still in the middle of puberty. Yeah. I think I, I I don't know if they ever established how old they were, but by the end of the series, they're still teenagers. Oh wow! Yeah, like like this whole story took place over the course of maybe a year or two in the books. Yeah, and they're like you know, maybe fifteen, sixteen, or something. No, they're like thirteen or fourteen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I'm like they're young. Yeah, they've hardly developed. Yeah, and I like I love each of their individual stories, but Rachel's is one of my favorites because. 
Um, I hope you don't mind if we just ramble about some of these stories a little bit, uh, Richard. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's one one series uh, early, relatively early on, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the David storyline. It's a three part book series. It's about a third of the way through the yeah. saga. Yeah. Yeah, and in that like short version of that that story is a kid finds the box that gives them the ability to morph which every single person with a yerk in their head will immediately know and kill to get. So they have to protect it. And this kid's home gets destroyed. His parents get taken over. So he's homeless now too. And he's kind of an asshole. So like, they've got to figure out what to do to this other human child who just lucked into the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And there's a part where, where David, like he turns on them and he starts getting violent. And at some point, uh, Jake, the leader kid, he tells uh, Axe. I think it's Axe. He's it, yeah. We have, we haven't introduced Axe yet. Around book yeah. four, one of the Andalites, uh, the one of the aliens, is found on Earth by the, by the Animorphs and is you know brought into their into their fold to to fight the Yurks because Axe is the brother of the Andalite that gave them the powers. So he's now hide. They're now also hiding an alien on earth <laughs> among all of these other aliens yeah, yeah so, you gotta have you had to have some friendly character to exposit things yeah um but yeah so but jake yeah, tells axe yeah jake tells axe um like like david has has betrayed them and jake tells axe get rachel and they don't question that at first like there's a fight scene blah blah blah, blah. and then later on the next book actually transitions to rachel's perspective that's another thing by the way the books uh take turns from each character's perspective so like the first book is told from Jake's perspective, the next one is Rachel, the next one's Tobias. Um, so in the next book, we start with Rachel's perspective, and the whole book she's wrestling with, why did Jake call me? Jake needed to to do something. I don't know if it was kill this guy. I don't know if it was maim him or what. Like, but he needed a nuclear solution, and he called. Does my cousin see me as a murderer? Like when he thinks bloodlust, does he just think of me? And if these kids are 13 years old, that's a hard thing to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Like your family, your relative that you've been fighting with this whole time knows that if he needs someone dead, he can call you. And that's got to fuck with your self-worth, like your identity. How? And she, the whole, yeah. Um, sorry, uh, but how does uh, that affect her? Because I know earlier Zach was saying that she does have this sort of um, love of the war. So is this something that was early on or? This was about a third of the way through the book series. So this was books 20, 21, and 22. So she's very gung-ho about fighting the Yurks. But this is one of the first times that she's being called upon to, to go after not a Yurk. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going. She's now going after another human. Moreover, another human that was brought into their war effort. They gave David the ability to morph to protect him. Yeah. So, so basically, Jake got told like called for Rachel to go kill effectively one of their own, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily kill him, but she knows that, like if it came down to it, she would do it, and that's why Jake called her. Yeah. And so she she has to wrestle with this notion of like, yes, I'm very gung-ho about the war, but is that all I am to my friends? Yeah. And like a year before she was like picking out clothes at the mall. Right. Like and, and on doing cheerleader practice and stuff. Yeah. 
and the end of that book is even like worse. So I guess <laughs> spoilers, I guess. Uh that book ends with like they've gotta defeat David somehow and like killing him isn't even like that easy of a solution because if you morph it heals your injuries. So I mean it's kinda hard to kill someone like that. And so they end up tricking him and trap him in a rat morph. Uh, like they put him in a little box that he can't morph out of. And then they take that that rat to an island where he, they just leave him. Like he's alive. Oh he's just stuck on an island. And like Rachel ends up sitting with him until he gets trapped, until it's been two hours. And he's just begging and pleading with her the whole time. And oh, then after he's on the island, like they said that, you know, there's now like urban legends of he, like this island is like off the beach somewhere, but it's just close enough. I guess I should mention when you're in a morph, you can speak with what's called thought speak. You can communicate. Yeah, that's an important part. Yeah, I <laughs> should mention that. I was about to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is this like is, a telepathic way of speaking? Or? Yes, yeah. exactly. The, the Andalites naturally communicate this way, and humans, when they're in morph, can communicate this way. Okay. So yeah. you, you, you can communicate directly person to person so nobody else can hear you, or you can broadcast your thoughts to where anybody can hear you. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, like he's he's trapped on an island near the beach, but not on it. And like there became an urban legend of like, if you go near this island, you can hear someone screaming for help to this day. Jesus. I know. And yeah. that's one of the least fucked up things in this whole series. <laughs> okay, I have to ask. Um, I want to go back just a little bit because you mentioned this. Um, you said that uh, early on the first book, Tobias is trapped as a bird. Um, and now we have yes. this kid, uh, uh, David, who's trapped as a rat. Is there a way for them to not be trapped or like? Sort of. Yes. Okay, <laughs> We're so, going to so, have to explain a okay, lot of things. Okay, okay. And, then, okay, and, then, so. and then I also want to follow that up with um, if they are trapped, depending on how long, like it, you said that they get some of the instincts of that animal that they turn into. Is, is it like a possibility or is it anything that happens where they become the animal versus human? So Zach, let, let me, let me, Zach, let me I got, I got an idea. Question. You take the elements, I'll take the ants. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so go for the ants first. I think that's an easier okay. explanation. Okay, it is. So with, with the, the animal instincts, basically the first time you morph an animal, their instincts are very strong because you don't know what they are yet. you got to contend with them. If you're in morph for a while or you're used to a morph, it gets a little easier to handle it. But almost every time they morph a creature for the first time, it's overwhelming and they succumb to it. Mm. Uh, uh, Tobias every actually, single time. yeah, every single time. And Tobias, when he's trapped as as a bird, he he over the course of the series, he does kind of wrestle with he's been in bird morph so long and he has to do bird things to survive that he almost doesn't know where he ends and the bird begins. But um, in terms of like general morphing, there's one storyline, well, several actually, where they have to morph insects. And that is like, it, it's like this really creepy horror story in it, like a mini horror story inside the book, because like ants don't really have instincts in the same way other animals do, because they're a hive mind. Mm hmm. And they're they're controlled effectively by their local colony, and the first time they morph was it ants or termites actually? They they morphed ants in book yeah, five. that's right. It was it was ants, and like they like they lose themselves in the ant like for a long time. Like they lose track of how much time it's been that they've been in morph, 
and all they're thinking is is build, find food, build, identify this ant is friendly, this ant is not. I don't like this ant or whatever. And they and then they end up awesome. getting into a turf war with another ant colony. I oh. Zach, I see your video. Footage. I don't hear you. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. I say that's because they're from the, they're from the wrong colony. They right. they they more they acquired ants from a different colony, walked into this area they had to be in, and the other ants went enemy. Yeah, and they started attacking them. And one of them, one of the kids, gets bitten in half. Oh my gosh! And like as an ant, like their torso gets bisected, and and like when you morph out, you'll get your your body back, um, and unless it's a starfish, and then you get two. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole nother plot. <laughs> uh, no, like that's that's one of those deeply horrifying things where like they 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 tell horrific stories by being immersive. Like it's not jump scare. It's not gross out. It's it's a little oh my gross God. out. Okay, it's a little well, it's a little gross out. That's true. But morphing is gross. That is true. Morphing is very gross. They, have, <laughs> like, they don't do like a clean like like yeah, dissolve okay. pipe transition. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people saw the TV show uh, <laughs> and and saw like you know the. You know, just shifting into, yeah, just shifting into like an animal from a human. I want to read uh, a quick, like, couple sentences from book five. Actually, it's it's about uh, changing into ants. This is how it was described: morphing into ants. His arms had begun to split open and swell. His eyes were gone, replaced by little black BBs. Jake's face seemed to open up, to split open in a complex mess of valves. I think I would have thrown up seeing that, except I also no longer had a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh and, no, sorry, sorry. That wasn't that was the end. That was the lobster way uh, in the same yeah. book. Yeah, and by the way, they do that every single time they morph, <laughs> like the books do. It's awful. Bones just shoot out of skin. Yes. Yes. Do they skin, feel skin. it? Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's not crippling pain, but they feel the moving of their bones Ew. and organs every single time. Oh, I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's body horror to the extreme, and this was yeah. for children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Why? Why were they turning into ants? Uh, they had to sneak. They had to sneak into a house of uh, of a of a controller that they were that they were uh, tracking. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, to answer your other question about can they get out of. Uh, can, can they get out of being trapped in the morph? That is a very complex question. So, <laughs> so we have touched on a cup, a couple of the alien species. When the book opens, you meet the Andalites, who are the good guys. That that becomes oh, sort of subjective serious. as you, it becomes sort of Close. subjective as you go through the the yeah. series. But they're the ones that are fighting the Yurks, which are the bad guys, which never really does become subjective. That's pretty objective. Yeah. Uh, you meet a couple of other alien species that the Yurks have taken over. The Hork-Bajir, which are giant, like, humanoid T-Rexes that are covered in blade-looking, like, bone protrusions. And the Taxons, which are giant fucking centipedes that mm -hmm. are are carnivorous and constantly hungry. Uh, so you only you, those are, like, the four alien species that you get until Book 7. <laughs> book 7 introduces a creature that we only know as the Elemist. And as far as we can tell, the Elemist is God. Hmm. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 all the way, all the way through the entire book series until the Elemist Chronicles, which came out second to last in this entire Shoot, book series. Well, yeah. yeah. You pretty much as far as you're concerned, the Elemist is God. And then you discover he's actually another alien species that exists 
more advanced than every other alien species, and his species actually plays sort of like cosmic chess with other lesser species. <laughs> and that's when the book series goes off the rails after <laughs> they introduce the LMS. There is time travel. There are alternate futures. There is travel across the galaxy to meet other aliens. Other aliens show up on Earth. There's the lost continent of Atlantis and those aliens. There's traveling back into the past and meeting aliens that actually occupied Earth back when the dinosaurs existed. Yep. And maybe that's where broccoli came from because they <laughs> cultivated it. And it's that's also the book where we learn that dinosaurs taste like fish. The whole book just goes off the rails. And and it goes so far beyond this war that's happening on Earth. <laughs> so, so the Elemist, being a cosmic power that he is, does wind up giving Tobias a choice in book 13. Uh it's a choice of you can stay as a hawk or you can or I can make you human again and you're gone from the war. He chooses to stay as a hawk because it means that he can help his friends. Uh, so as a reward, the Elemist transports him back in time briefly to meet his human self the night before they got their powers and gives Tobias the ability to acquire morphs. So Tobias can now acquire morphs and change into other things but he is still a hawk. However, thanks to the Elemist's time fuckery, he is he now has his human self as a morph. So he can he can morph back to a human child for two hours. Yeah. And if he's and if he get if he stays there, then he is stuck and cannot help his friends anymore. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. So so even though he can morph and participate, he's still, still living that he's still living that bird life. <laughs> but now he can actually turn into a human for a brief points in time if they need to do stuff or if he wants to do human things. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd like to point out, thing, it's okay. I'd it's... like to point out as dark as this book series is, there's a lot of really fun moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like Axe. Okay. Like Axe. Like Axe. I know you want to do it. So, do you remember, do you remember how, okay, so remember how Eric mentioned that the Andalites communicate wholly in thought speech? Uh-huh. It's because they don't have mouths. Uh, right. Andalites, Andalites look uh, basically okay. So Andalites are blue and furry. Uh, they have four legs like horses or deers. Uh, it is arguable as to whether or not they have torsos. The book cover says yes. The very first book does not describe a torso. And a podcast that I listen to called Fandalites, Brett and Jenna will swear <laughs> up and down there are no torsos at all. Uh, but but regardless, they have hand, they have arms and hands with too many fingers, faces like ours but no mouths, eye stalks. And they have a tail that has a scorpion-type blade on it for self-defense. So <laughs> you, you now have a general idea of an Andalite. Uh, yep. beca because they have no mouths, they graze through their hooves. They have they, they crush up they crush grass and absorb the nutrients. So that means they don't have the ability to taste. So an axe acquires a human morph. <laughs> <laughs> Axe now has access to something that almost no Andalite in the history of Andalites has ever had, which is a tongue with taste buds. <laughs> and a mouth. And he loses his shit over it. Unholy shit. He will eat anything that has the resemblance of a flavor, <laughs> uh, including but not limited to cinnamon buns, pizza, plates that pizza was currently on, <laughs> no. plates that pizza used to be on a few days ago, <laughs> cigarette butts, and yes. more. Yeah. Uh, also, because they communicate in thought speech, and now he has a mouth, words are funny. 
Yeah. And he will experiment with how words sound for as long as he can. Yeah. <laughs> like Jake has to repeatedly tell him, humans don't talk this way. You're going to get us all killed. <laughs> I, will not, I will not get us kill, kill, uh, killed. Duh. I will not get us killed. Kill, kill. <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's even written that way out in the book. At one point, Jake goes, Jake goes like, Axe, stop treating every word like a new toy. <laughs> and, and, and he goes, yes, will not treat like a toy. Toy. Toy, toy, toy. <laughs> toy, 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 toy. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, what was I going to ask? Uh, 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 so oh, the, the morphin, the, the morphing. Um, so, uh, what I wanted to know is, um, one, uh, do they just have to like imagine the animal to do it or, and two, um, is, hmm, how do I, how do I ask this question when they morph? Is it like their own entity of that animal or are they like somehow, kind of like melding with the mind of another animal to get that instinct, I, I, I guess, or do they even explain that? They so, do. They yeah. Do. Okay, so basically when you when you morph, like first you have to acquire the morph, which means physically touching the animal okay. that you want to morph into. Um, and, which by, is, and by acquire, he means that you are acquiring that animal's DNA. Yes, that their DNA like is absorbed. I think they even explain the function of it. Like it, it's absorbed into your bloodstream and there's just some part of their DNA that the morphing technology accesses. Yes. Like your blood is a hard drive. Yes. Um, that means and, that you could actually acquire DNA. You could acquire uh, the DNA from, from an animal, not necessarily from the animal. You can acquire it from their blood, which they attempt to do on at least one occasion. Yeah. And that also means you can acquire humans. And there's a whole big ethical question about that. Like, yep. can you morph something that has a, a intelligence? Um, but anyway, they they acquire a bunch of morphs because conveniently for the plot, Cassie's mom works at a an amusement park slash zoo. Uh, it's like has, SeaWorld or Bush Gardens. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, it's where actually they get, called the Gardens. The Gardens, yeah. I think it's one of the shirts you got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah. they get like gorillas and tigers and whatnot. So when you're morphing an animal, you are morphing, not just like the animal, but you're morphing that specific one. Mm. So your body physically changes into that exact animal and its instincts, which are like part of its mind, cohabitate with you. And they're kind of always there. Um, Like there are parts of the book where like they're fighting and especially in like emotionally traumatic moments, I think Rachel and Marco have both done this where like, they're like, I just want to punch something. So I just let the the gorilla, I let the bear take over and the bear does what it does. It just punches anything that's near it. The gorilla just, you know, goes, goes literally apeshit. Mm. And uh, so like the mind is always there and the body is physically that exact version. Um, and because you're reconstructing from DNA, every time like you demorph back to human and remorph, you're the original version again. So that gets really fucky because there's like they'll get into battles as bears and tigers and and gorillas and they'll get like their entrails sliced open their they'll lose limbs, entire limbs yeah they'll get their limbs cut off and then they'll just demorph back to their like their human form and their bodies put back together again but they still remember having their limbs cut off Ugh. so like it's it's horrifying 
and the book gets a little un uh, the book series gets a little unclear on this just, be just because there's so much of it. But in the very first book, Jake morphs acquires and morphs his dog, which freaks his dog the fuck out because now his dog <laughs> smells himself, sees himself. It's kind of like when a dog looks at itself in the mirror that's actually there. Uh, and Jake has all these memories that his dog has, including like you know, sense that he is picked up on from around the neighborhood and memories of like who people are. The book series sort of trends away from that after a while because that's a bit too complex to hang on to. But it's implied that you know, it's very much this animal. They trend away from it because that seems to imply that memories are stored in DNA, which it shouldn't be. Yeah. But yeah, regardless, you are that animal, which yeah. means that if you acquired an animal that like, they never go into this, but if you acquired an animal that had an autoimmune an immune deficiency disease, like you would have that disease if it's yeah. like ingrained into the DNA. Yeah. And I think they did sometimes violate their own ethics and morph like humans and stuff. And yep. so you, they like morphed humans, you, they morphed yurks, they morphed andalites, like they, they yeah. yeah, they morphed dolphins, they morphed yeah. all sorts of things that have intelligence. Yeah. And when they do that, like because you're rebuilding it from DNA, like you'll get, I think you might get stuff like birthmarks but you don't get scars right. or whatever. So like you're, you're constructing it from the original source DNA, but you don't get any of the physical trauma that went along with it, mm -hmm. which is unsettling. Uh, like, I think there's, there's at least one time I was just reading one of the books where I think Marco morphs a human and then bumps into the human he morphed. Oh. Yes. And he's like, uh, like, like the guy has no idea how to handle it. <laughs> what, um, what kind of problems does that lead to if they, I mean, is this happening multiple times? Cause you did, you did describe Cassie as kind of one of the pe people who, who has more of the conflict of the ethical, um, notion or the ethical concepts of turning into someone who is intelligent, um, so do they explore that? Like, is that really fucking with her mind? It yeah. is actually. It is actually. Uh, at one point in the book series, she actually leaves the Animorphs. Like she, she's had enough of the of the war, the uh, conflict of values, and she just up and leaves. And that's its whole own book. It's book nineteen. It's actually really one of the better written books in the entire oh, series. Yeah. Uh, but, cool. but yeah, like she, she winds up leaving entirely. Which, again, I want to point out is very weird given the fact that she will do things like morph into a dolphin for fun, even though a <laughs> dolphin is a sentient creature. So she is drawing her own line yeah. somewhere in here. At one point, she actually morphed Rachel to cover for Rachel because Rachel was sick and having all sorts of bullshit go on. And that completely violates the code of ethics. And she didn't ask Rachel if she could do that, but she did it because it was necessary. Yeah. So, so Cassie has a lot to unpack over the course of this series. Yeah. And actually that book you're talking about, um, most of that book occurs, uh, basically Cassie runs off, but then it gets what lost in the woods and injured or something where she encounters a controller, uh, who has a yerk in her head and like, they, like she knows, like they're speaking yerk to anamorph, not with the, the faux game that they play. And so they get into a, 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 like, most of the book is, like, an ethical debate between them yeah. about, uh, like, where the line is. Because from the Yerk's perspective, and this is really where they dive into the Yerk's perspective um, heavily, you know, they're, they're basically slugs. 
their their bodies are blind in their natural state and they live in these these pools where like they like there's just sludge and other yurks and they're, a, and and they're they their nutrients that they get from basically their sun that they yeah. must have every 3 days or they die that's yeah. the stipulation by the way uh, the controllers have to have to go and feed uh, from some from their Candrona rays every three days, where they die. That's like the one weak point that they have. Yeah, and like most of their missions are built around figuring that stuff out. But, um, but yeah. So so actually, that's right. During this time period that they're arguing, lost in the woods, uh, this Yurk is about to die in the next three days if they don't find a source. And so like Cassie goes into that with, well, you're the bad guy. Obviously, it's okay if you die. And this poor girl you're controlling will be free. And the Yurk goes, okay, but what about us, though? Like, should I be forced to live in a a blind, featureless sludge pool because you were you had the the great luck to evolve limbs and eyes, and I was cursed to evolve as a slug? Like, is it my fault? I was evolved to take over. Shouldn't I be able to do that? And in the very end of the book, the Yurk says, look. I will I will subject myself to the life of being a blind slug with with no ability to see or enjoy things if you will morph and she holds up a caterpillar says if you morph this if you morph into this caterpillar then I will let this girl go and Cassie does it she morphs the caterpillar and then stays in that morph for over 2 hours trapping herself there so the yerk lets the girl free. I forget what happened to that yerk. Uh, oh, uh, oh, that's right. She, she actually survived. Uh, she survived. She wound up being imprisoned. They had to go free her in a later book. It's another story thing. Yeah. But she wound, I, up, she wound up leading a bit of a resistance among the yerks. Yeah, that's right. I, I just had the wiki open. It says she established the yerk peace movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, Cassie gets trapped there. But then it also leads to one of the funniest moments, I think, in the books, where... It's a caterpillar. The caterpillar itself morphs into a butterfly. <laughs> and when the butterfly, uh, like, is freed, uh, like, all of the animorphs are around, like, uh, I mean, at least she's a butterfly now. It's it's pretty. And X goes, it is pretty. Maybe she'd like to demorph now. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it would be great, Axe, if she could, but not being a dick. And he's like, no, no I mean, for real, I think the fact that she just morphed as a creature, should reset the morphing clock. Uh, like, loophole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, the, this is actually an established thing. Like he says it, and he looks at him. It's like it has a natural morphing ability. Like that, it starts yeah. over. You guys don't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, and then and, and they just let her go too. By the way, so they're like, get that butterfly. They're <laughs> screaming at a butterfly to morph back. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the best books because it's it's deeply uh like uh philosophical it's a little bit horrifying and it's hilarious oh, like that kind tough. of encompasses the series and then immediately following that is the david trilogy that we mentioned earlier oh shoot that is so Damn. i have i have some questions about what we just talked about um uh yeah. so cassie is walking around with this york and um decides that she is going to i guess basically sacrifice herself to free this one girl. Yeah. 
I guess. Very Captain America like that. <laughs> but like, like, does it ever cross her mind that it's better for her not to sacrifice herself if she can help more people in the end? Or is no. this just because of a personal no. connection that she's now made with this thing? Uh, she's she's very much the emotional, moral core of the group. So to her, each individual life is sacred. Um, Which I want to point out the hypocrisy <laughs> again. Uh, because, 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 because while these Animorphs are fighting the controllers, they are killing them left and right yep. with yep. tigers yep. and gorillas and bears and elephants and wolves. They are ripping their throats out and, and dismembering them. These are people... That are being controlled against their will, and they're all dying. Yep. But it's but it's war. Yep. But, yep. Yep. but that Cassie, becomes needs a thing. Cassie needs to save this one little girl who's trapped uh-huh. by Eric. Yeah, and that the, that whole hypocrisy thing gets like more and more evident as it goes on. Like towards the end of the book series, like it gets closer to all-out war. And one of the things they do is they 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 just figure out they need more troops. Like there's just five kids and one Andalite. They need more people. So they recruit, stop me if I'm getting it wrong here, but people with physical disabilities. Yep. They they recruit crippled kids. They recruit kids that don't that whose legs don't work, who are blind. They recruit everybody that that, that the Yurks would view as non viable hosts. Mm. And they say, hey, and, and they say, hey, we would like for you to help stop this evil force. And they use these kids. Yeah, because like it's it, it comes off very noble, but very bluntly, they use these kids as an expendable yeah. B force. Yeah, and like they're luring them in with. By the way, I know your legs don't work or you're blind, but what if you could turn into an animal that could fly? Like most most humans with all their working body parts would do that, but someone who's stuck in a wheelchair, walking, watching everyone else walk around, like. That's got to be extra tempting, and it's like a, it gets better. Like, it gets better. It gets better because ha- yeah. because only a couple of them are genetically that way. Yeah. Some of them were blinded or, or blinded or disabled due to accidents, and when they morph back, their ailments are cured, and now they must pretend to be disabled. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 And like and like they cannot this, they cannot go live their lives. Yeah. It's it's crazy and. It, that particular proposition like almost positions the Animorphs in like making a deal with the devil type position and they're the devil. Like, the, the, I'll give you see, your sight back, but you have to go to war. See, but see, like, like you know, the whole book series follows the child soldier mentality, but that, that little mini arc really follows the child soldier recruitment yeah. mentality. Yeah. Why? And it's like, why, go ahead. Why don't they recruit adults? Because it, it because you don't know who might be a controller. You don't you do not know who the enemy is. Anybody around you can be the bad guy. So and, and in this Anybody. case, I like I mean they're in high school, so the people they know are kids. And like you said, the like people with physical disabilities were deemed unfit hosts by the Yerks. So like that's just ha- like who they ended up using. But like in general, they don't reveal themselves to anyone like there, there was talk very very early on in the series where where i think it was marco even said why don't we just like fly over to the white house and demorph in front of the president yeah like and tell him what's going on and pretty much the reason was well we don't know if the president's here <laughs> yeah exactly um and amusingly i guess i'm jumping way to the end on this one but yeah they like there's 
there's a, a bit, I, I want to say it was in the last book, but it might have been one of the last books, where after all of this is said and done, they they kind of have the solution that works, like makes peace with the Yerks and Andalites. Like after the war is over, they just give the Yerks the ability to morph. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know if that was an offer available to everyone, but... It wasn't part, available to everyone. Yeah, yeah. But like... As, as sort of a peace treaty, they say, what if we let the slug itself get the morphing ability and they can acquire an animal? And I think they even said, like, you like to get the, the morphing power, you have to, like, stay as the animal you choose. Yeah. Or I, something. I, yeah, that, that's what happened. They, they, yeah. allowed, they allowed them to become Nothlips. And because, like, that was one of the big incentives of the Yurks was get off of this rock go see the world, go have senses. Yeah. So they said, okay, you want you want this? Then you, the Yurks love, get to morph into this fox and stay as this fox. Yeah. And they're and, like, heal. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's almost unsettling that like 50 some odd books and then they finally stumble on the most obvious answer, but they couldn't get there because the Andalites are the one word they use to describe Andalites throughout the entire series is arrogant. Mm -hmm. They believe they're better than all the other alien races. They won't share their technology, and they <laughs> think of the Yurks as like scum. Like they sneer at the thought of a Yurk. So the very idea of sharing your technology with them, ending the war by giving the Yurks a better life instead of killing them all, is just unthinkable to them. And the Andalites position themselves as the galactic police. Nobody elected them to this position. They just simply go around, like, stopping, like, smuggling and stuff like that because they can. So they wind up going to war with the Yurks because they can. Yeah. And the other, the other reason— There's absolutely no metaphors here at all. Yeah. But, and, but the other reason why, they, why the, they weren't able to do the solution from the very beginning is because the Earth invasion of, by the Yurks is led by the most batshit of all of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so there, there's a ranking system in the Yurk Empire uh, called Visser. Visser is basically general, and it's an it's a numbered system. Like you don't get it, like you lose your name and you get Visser, whatever number you are. Uh, Marco's mother is Visser one. She started the Earth invasion like uh, I don't know, like ten something years ago, or maybe even longer than that. Visor 3 leads the Yurk invasion. Visor 3 is the only Yurk to ever take over an Andalite body, and he still has it. So that means that their greatest enemy also has the ability to morph. And he is absolutely 90s villain insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's 100% insane. He kills people simply for disagreeing with him, mm. even if they're right. Yeah. Like, th there's, yeah. There's, actually, there's actually a part in the... Uh, so I, I keep mentioning the Fandalites podcast. Uh, they're they're one of the ones I listen to a good bit, along with like the 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 Phantomorphs, Dork Bajir Chronicles, Morph Club Cast, Morph Cast Thought Speak. There are uh, a lot of these. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people still talking about Animorphs. It's very important. Uh, but, but but so uh, yeah, the 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 have a theory that all of the Yurks actually know that the Animorphs are not Andalites on Earth, that they're actually kids, but they can't tell Visor Three because he'll kill them. And there's a part in the in one of the books where they overhear two Yurks talking to each other, and one Yurk says, you know, like, you know, I could have told Visitor 3 it was a terrible idea to have a meeting in this place where there's so many bugs and other animals that we couldn't keep track of. And the other one goes, yeah, 
you could have told him that <laughs> with a very heavy implication of he'd cut your head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's nuts. He won't listen to anybody. He wants to dominate Earth and kill all of them. Uh, all of the all of the Andalites, the Animorphs, they don't know that they don't know that the Animorphs are kids. They think that they're Andalites who kill the Andalites and take over Earth and become Visor One himself. And so, yeah, they can't offer this to any of the Yurks because Visor Three would never fucking have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He yeah. wants he wants all or nothing. So yeah. the ranking system, Visor Three is below Visor One. Yes, yeah. Visor okay. One. Visor One is the top-ranking Yurk below the Enigmatic Council of Thirteen. Oh, there's <laughs> so, so always going to be a council. Yeah, there's, there, there's some governing council, but then then it ranks Visors, and it goes down a ways. Uh, I don't remember. I don't there's, remember what, what number it tops out at. There's forty Visor Visors, and then like hundreds of sub Visors. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's very like young adult kids. I think I think we meet we meet maybe like six visitors in the entire book series yeah. maybe. Yep. I wanted to go back and ask a question because I wasn't sure if you uh, answered it or not. So you said that the Yurks have to feed on rays that their sun provided. Yes. So yes. how do they get that on Earth? Bad you ask. They, uh, <laughs> they, they 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 have uh, they have synthesized their sun's radiation. Uh, and they broadcast it into the Yurk pools that are positioned around the – well, in this sense, it's basically around the city, but it's around the world. Uh, so they have the synthesized Candrona rays that all comes from a central source uh, that's located in various points in the city that feeds them. In Book 7, they actually wind up finding this, like the area's Candrona source, and they destroy it, and that cripples – the Yurks for like at least a week while they can get it while they get another one onto Earth. So they they have to keep taking in this energy source or they will die. They mm. will shrivel up, go crazy, and die. Yeah. And uh, one note on that: when he says Yurk pools, so th there are a few times in the series where you have like a you know a portable pool that you can put on a spaceship, but mostly the book series refers to Yurk pools as these massive underground complexes with secret entrances all over the city at least where the kids are and there's others throughout the world um where like you'll go into a broom closet or uh down an elevator or something in an otherwise normal building and then there's just this massive like stadium-sized complex with a big pool in the center and like shops and like storage areas for like on one side you've got like almost like a food court at a mall for aliens and then on another side a massive wall of caged people and aliens temporarily free of their hosts just screaming begging for their freedom begging for help. some of them some of them screaming that's true begging. that's true some of them have just completely given up on life <laughs> yeah some are even doing it willingly they're like look man i'd rather be on the winning side yeah some of them are hanging out in like the break room <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, but they discover that in the first book, and that's actually where Tobias gets trapped for two hours because um, he can't demorph in there. He'd be spotted, so mm. he just ends up as a bird. But like, it's it's specifically because it's underground, it kind of takes on this hell motif because uh -huh. it is. It's like this in like, the first in the first book as they descend, at, like they find the entrance, and as they're walking in, they can feel they can hear the screams 
growing louder as they go down and they can feel the heat from under there growing more like as like they get down to body heat and the yerk pool heat so yeah very much dante's descent into hell <laughs> yeah again book one Book one, one, after they acquire the morphing power from the Andalite, watch the Andalite die, not just die, get eaten alive by Vizzer 3. Yeah, uh, that yeah, from, yeah. The 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 alien that gave them their ability is eaten alive because Visitor Three morphs a giant creature and just devours him because Visitor Three likes to eat his enemies. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, 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 yeah. So they do all that. Find out that Jake's brother is a controller. Go like do some other shenanigans. Go into the Yurk pool. Have their first official f- battle. Almost get their asses handed to them. Oh yeah, save, yeah they do. They, they save exactly one person, <laughs> yeah. and then Tobias is trapped as a hawk. Yeah, <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're like at an hour, and we I want to let you guys yeah. go because you're three hours ahead of me, and it's so late over there. Uh, but oh, I do yeah, have it's a couple. Fine, it's fine. <laughs> I'll this forever. I told you we could talk about this. Forever. I, I have a couple <laughs> of questions. More questions keep up coming up. Um, so. Um, <laughs> You mentioned that we'll come uh, back for another episode if you want. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. Uh, uh, okay, so you mentioned that uh, there's uh, these pools that are basically around the world, but we've got these five main characters. Are there other fighters around the world, or Not just really. these kids? No, there there are people that that believe that aliens are invading Earth, and they do have some like pocket resistance stuff, but none of them really fully know what's going on. To the extent that the Animorphs do. So the whole thing centers around the Animorphs in this one city somewhere in the United States that they will not tell us because mm-hmm. yeah. because personal safety. Yeah. And it seems to be like the active like ground zero of invasion. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Visitor 3 is always there. Big plans are always happening out of out of there. It, yeah, it, it's, it's all never, very plot convenient. Yeah, it's all very plot convenient. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other, okay, so I have two other things that I wanted to quickly touch up on. Um, so you did mention that uh, the Andalites decide to start recruiting disabled kids. And no, the that, kids decide to start doing that. Oh, the kids. Okay, okay. So the yeah, kids. Yeah, the animorphs. Not. The animorphs do this. Okay, okay. So do we ever get to kind of see this person, the perspective of a kid who? morphs back into their original body um but doesn't get the cure that maybe the other kids were getting do we ever get to kind of like see what they're going through after that not not internally we we see it from the viewpoint of the other animorphs but by this point in the book series it's too far in to start taking on other new perspectives so Mm, you just yeah yeah, they're second tier at that point yeah it's like they they cycle out the the pov from the main, like the six main cast. Um, and they don't really deviate from that much. The the Chronicles books, the Chronicles books are like accessory, almost in, uh, appendix type books uh, where they tell stories of like the aliens from other races. But yeah, the like main... the, the, the Andalite Chronicles follows Prince Elfangor, the one who gave them the power like years and years before all of this happened, mm. yeah. for example. Yeah, but the main series doesn't deviate from the core six, except with one book where uh, part of the book is written from Jake's perspective and part of it is written from his great uncle Isaiah Isaiah Fitzhenry's perspective. That was such a weird book. From the Civil War. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but no, we we don't get to see the perspective from the the disabled children. Um, but we we hear about it from them. Mm, okay. So. I uh that to me sounds like it would be super 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 tragic to read. <laughs> and so I'm very interested in that. <laughs> like, well, they may have had they may have had their fill of tragedy at this point. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was into the fifties of a fifty-four book series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this was Four I series. think this was book fifty-one that they did this or forty-nine something like that. It's the yeah. one that had the goose on the cover, whatever it was. Um, yeah, that was fifty-one. And then the last thing that I'll touch on before I let you guys go is <laughs> something you briefly mentioned that I was curious about, which is you said something about. Someone uh, morphs into a starfish and comes out as two. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked this. <laughs> Go for it, Eric. So, okay. They they play around. Some of the books are a little bit fillery. And this one was kind of a side quest where uh, Rachel morphs a starfish too. I think she was trying to get a ring back. Earring. Like, yeah, like an earring she dropped into a pool on the beach or whatever. So she morphs a starfish, picks it up, and gets out and as she's coming out like some some kid or something just chops the starfish in half <laughs> with like a shovel a, like a yeah like a little psychopath he just chops it in half and so Rachel morphs out because you can do that even if you've been dismembered and she walks off and goes home but then starfish which naturally have the ability to regenerate if they're like dismembered the other half also morphs back. Oh my god! And, and then they do that thing that every kids TV show with even like <laughs> things do, I, where I, yeah, it, it was a little more complex than Good and Evil One. Um, I you were just telling me about this sag. Like, what was it? I I, I keep lifting from Fandalites. I, I love every. Like I said, I, I mentioned, I'm going to mention them again, like uh, like Phantomorphs, the Dork Bajir Chronicles, Morph Clubcast, Morphcast, Thoughtspeak. I love all of them, but Fandalites is the one I'm listening to the most right now. And they just did this book not too long ago. Rachel is broken up into what is described in the book as mean Rachel and nice Rachel, <laughs> like, you know, like, 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 like bad and good. But Fandalites described it more as mall Rachel, which is the preppy kid that likes shopping at the mall and it has emotions and stuff, and <laughs> knife and knife Rachel, the one that wants to stab the shit out of everything. Yeah, <laughs> and like, and it, that's the it, most accurate description I can think of. Yeah, and it's and it's goofy and a little bit not quite Freaky Friday, but one of those whatever split into things stories. But it's it's a little goofy, but also because they've had that through line of. Rachel being like this this murderous gung-ho warrior like you sort of get to examine that part of her from an external perspective or like you know uh, mall Rachel is looking at this new knife Rachel <laughs> and going is that really me because knife Rachel just wants to kill she wants to fuck some shit up and like even the rest of the group is like is this really part of Rachel like and and it it gets that same uh kind of like psychological fuckery uh, mm. that you get in the david storyline where yeah this storyline is a little goofy but also you're basically saying that this 13 year old is a psychopathic murderer and moreover that psychopathic murderer needs the whiny emotional part of her to yeah. be normal yeah exactly 
like it like they they very strongly imply or even say explicitly if she were to give in to this the the warrior side of her like her bloodlust would not be contained and mm. and she's 13 she's 13. <laughs> or some something somewhere around there these are kids these are kids fighting this war um oh my God. i i uh okay i have one last question um, sure and this is something that I guess doesn't exist. Maybe. I don't know. I've never read the books. But um, were they to grow up and have a series, what would you imagine they'd be like now? Um, so the bo- the final book ended in a, uh, a bit of an open-ended way and not exactly the happiest ending for everybody. So... That answer is a little bit of a loaded one. <laughs> uh, but I I truly believe that, you know, if let's say the end of the of the book the fi- the finale panned out, they would be so very dysfunctional. Yeah. Like Jake committed war crimes. Yeah. If like and, and, and like explicitly like cites this that he did this. He yep. he would have he would have such a hard time coping they all would have such a hard time coping some of them may put on airs better than others but no i i i think like it's like coming home from vietnam or Mm -hmm. afghanistan like that that's that's entirely the analogy that k.a applegate and her husband uh, michael grant who like silently co-wrote the some of the books uh that that's what they were going for yeah. You you don't come home from this. Yeah. And like Jake in particular, in, in the actual storyline for what happens afterwards, um, like Jake was guilty of war crimes, but also uh he sort of gets recruited by like once it's out in the open, once the secret is out, he gets recruited by the US government to train special ops teams that use morphing power. And then I think it's approached by the Andalite army. And he leaves Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he's he goes to continue the mission to continue the war. Like I keep using this. I said this about Cassie, but in also in a Captain America kind of way. Like he he can't live without the war anymore because that's what his whole life was about. Um, and and they, and they they don't all do that, but like, yeah. but none of them, none of them can break from it. Yeah, and like and, and like the the relationships are all like cast aside. Like Jake and Cassie were a like they were a couple during this. They they were young love. They they kissed. It was like the first time in any fandom I was ever a part of where I was super excited because the two characters kissed long before Harry Potter. <laughs> when Jake and Cassie kissed, I like I threw my book in excitement, and their <laughs> relationship is shattered by the end of this. But this year, oh yeah. Oh like, yeah, no. Yeah. They don't live happily men- ever after. Not to mention mm-hmm. the rest of them. Yeah. No, they're like it's 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 not exactly a happy ending. They're like, all they're all really fucked up. Throughout the entire book series, Rachel and Tobias are trying to have a relationship because they love each other, but they yeah. very much realize that this is not really going to work out because Tobias is a hawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like and and and, and 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 Rachel is trying so desperately to preserve the humanity inside of Tobias. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like sh- should I should I spoil the big thing? 
at the end. No. Okay. <laughs> I, that was my instinct too. I'm like, I, let's, let, let's leave a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not a happy ending um, for anybody, oh. but especially for some. It's a happy ending. It's a happy ending for humanity in the sense that the Yurk invasion stops, but yeah. like, but you know, soldiers don't come out of the war a okay ever. Yeah. And this was this this particular book. To to get a little uh, meta outside of it, this book came out in May of two thousand one, um, which was a really downer way to end that series in that particular year in America. Four months um, later. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. And, like, yeah, right. If you, I don't really believe in trying to like seriously apply political commentary to a kids' book series. Although this one kind of asks for it. Fuck that! I was radicalized by the animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, you you can go deep into the rabbit hole of like American American foreign policy through the uh, lens of the animorphs and like you can get something out of that interpretation because it, it is a deeply flawed fucked up process where like there's not really winning there's just surviving and and again this book is for kids and there's plenty of like kids stuff in here like there's <laughs> there's so much there's so much goofy shit that happens we haven't even touched on half of the stupid shit like the like the race of aliens that are the size of the first digit of my pinky <laughs> who are the massive warrior species the helmicrons who yeah. <laughs> are the most obnoxious fuckers in the entire galaxy and they think that they are top shit and they yeah. come up multiple times in this book series and yeah. Yeah, like so. In the middle of trying to fight a serious war, you now have the ants that are trying to fight you. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's also a race of aliens that we see a few times that, like, they were basically bred by one of the bad god characters uh, to, like, they were vicious killing machines who love to kill because psychologically they're like three years old oh. and are genetically designed to view killing as a game, oh, and wow. they see it as they see it as fun and playful. And and then there's a species of alien that are entirely playful and happy, so much so that they are actually the basis for dogs on Earth. Yeah. And and, 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 and they created they, they they created androids to to like watch after them and they yeah, they're all dead now, but the androids live on. But they're so trusting and loving that the animorphs have to go to one of their ships that's like underwater to retrieve something and it's passcoded. And Jake says, all right, everybody, we have to go into the ship, uh, enter the passcode. Everybody memorize it. It's six. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's wonderful. I I feel like we could keep dropping the weird stuff on you and give you a bunch of questions. I I, I read this book series about three, four years ago when I was in my, my late 20s. And I have to say, with the exception of the 90s references, the series still holds up hmm. very strongly. Yes, and, 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 and they tried to re-release the book series. They got up to book eight. Uh, they have like lenticular, like holographic covers instead of the, uh, the, the legacy covers. And they changed some of the things. Like instead of saying like, you know, we flew past uh, the Radio Shack, they said we flew past the electronics store mm. or, you know, <laughs> or, 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 they, or they substituted out, they substituted uh, other things. But there are some things that never would have held up. Like book 15, there's an entire chapter that is set in a chat room. And the whole, all, the, all, all, 
it's a chat room because because these are people that it's a chat room people that know that there is an alien invasion going on and they're talking in a chat room today that would be like a reddit thread right. it wouldn't quite have the same effect. yeah <laughs> but apart from the 90s references if you can if you can fall into those and accept it as a nostalgia piece the whole series i think really holds up well because they weren't writing just for kids they were writing for kids to hold on to mm. yeah yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's written at a very accessible level, and a lot of the writing style is that they, they they loved this like onomatopoeic version of telling action scenes where they don't just say it exploded. It literally writes boom, <laughs> or and when bones would shoot out of your skin and a more if it would go splork and yeah. Whatnot. So it's almost a little bit comic booky in that way. But if you can accept that little bit of silliness, that it's it's aimed at like a fourth grade reading level you will probably get one of the best sci-fi stories you will read in your life. Oh, wow. It's very, and it very obviously carried over to this day because there's still like a huge fan base to the point. It's sort of a cult following at this point, but it's a fan base to the point where there are multiple podcasts, as I've already mentioned. Uh, the the Dork Bajir people make Animorph memes constantly, <laughs> and they're hilarious. And uh, there was an article that was written for Tor.com uh, not that long ago, it was why the Animorphs are overdue for a revival. This was May of this year. Uh, yes, Entertainment and Entertainment Weekly did a 20-year retrospective back in December 2016 with the author. Uh, you you can just you can show an Animorphs book cover on Facebook, and the comment section explodes with people <laughs> who put the books, or at least remember seeing the books, and they're like, "Oh, I never read those books." And everybody's like, "Dude, you got, I, let me tell you what the hell you missed out." <laughs> so like, it's developed this in tense cult following which hopefully you've gotten listening to eric and i talk about it we are are a very small subsect of how intense this can get (laughs) no this has been so wonderful uh i will continue the series i'll probably be 60 by the time i finish all 60 books um (laughs) honestly i finished i finished i have the physical books i finished reading all of them in about two three months oh oh okay not hard to read when I was a kid, I got one of the books from the mall and like we'd run run errands for an hour and I'd be done with it by the time we got home. Yeah. Like as a kid, I'm reading this fast. So yeah. like they're not they're not long. There's just a lot of them. Eric, <laughs> yeah. Eric, um, how did you how did you find the Animorph books when you when you were a kid? <laughs> Is it the Scholastic Book Fair? No, I think I whenever my parents went to the mall, I just went to the bookstore and browsed the the bookshelf. And I remember I was really into Power Rangers, and I saw it said morph, so I was like, "Yay, I'll do that." <laughs> yeah, I mine was the Scholastic Book Fair. Uh, yep. it, I I went there. I went there one day, and there was a little like, there was one chapter of book one that was a preview for this book series about to come out, and it was a kid turning into a lizard, and I was like, "Okay," and I just yeah. went for it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Richard, we should probably let you go at some point. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where... where it was. When we started. Yeah. No, this was wonderful. I thank you. I'm so glad I jumped into that tweet <laughs> so yeah. that we can make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to hear more, you just have us come back. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, but before we go, why don't you two uh, plug where people can find you and the projects you're working on? Uh, well, I'm currently at Review Geek, uh, a sister site to How To Geek that we launched just last year. Uh, you can find me at Lord Ravenscraft on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, don't add me on Facebook unless I know you, because I'm very picky. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter as Zach Vado, Z-A-K-V-A-U-D-O. Uh, my books, I've, I put up my second book in my book series, Talon's Grasp, earlier this year. It's an urban fantasy series. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. There's two of them right now. There'll be maybe like five of them by the time I'm done. And I'm also writing and voice acting for uh, a horror audio drama called The Blood Crow Stories, which you can find on iTunes, Google Play, and a variety of other podcast sites. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being on oh, the yeah. show. I forgot. I'm also a voice actor on the Blood Crystal. <laughs> He's also a voice actor on Blood Crystal. Which uh, will be wrapping up soon, right? This season? Season two will be wrapping up in October, and then we're into season three. Ooh, so exciting. No yeah. rest for the work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Yay, that was the interview. I want to thank those two uh, once again for doing the interview. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I I, I learned more about uh, Animorphs than I thought I'd ever learn in my lifetime. But here we are, and I am definitely going to be checking out more of those books um, once I get through them. Uh, yeah, and, and just so you know, Zach, I started Psychopaths, and I also started um, My Hero Academia, and um, they're both very fun. No, that's a lie. The psychopath is not fun. <laughs> it's really fucked up. <laughs> but uh, my acad- my hero academia it has been fun. I-, I am enjoying it. It's silly and I like it. Um, I'm about like three episodes in, I think. And for a psychopath, I think I got the two the first two episodes down, which is just like messing with some really fucked up mental uh, shit. Not mental, but uh, psychological Things like themes uh, uh, of how do we treat humanity and and uh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> that's a that's for another uh, podcast. So thank you guys for being on all of the stuff that they talked about uh, that they plugged. Uh, Review Geek, uh, Talents Grasp, and all that um, will be in the show notes. Uh, you can also find it on their guest pages at the website interview with a nerd.com. Um, yeah. So thank you again, guys. Yay. Okay. So now here's the final section of the show. I am going to give you guys my recommendations. So I have two recommendations this week and they are both movies. One of them is a documentary that I watched a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, that documentary is so fascinating. Her life has been so fascinating and, uh, it's, I'm glad that I got to learn what she's done and what she's been able to accomplish for just America <laughs> as far as human, uh, I mean, as far as uh, uh, equality and rights uh, uh, across the board for for us. Um, not only was she fighting for equal rights for women, but also on on this uh, for men as well. And uh, it's interesting, and and I'll let you guys watch the the documentary to see what I mean when I say that she fought for both men and women. Um, but yeah, I have an entirely different appreciation for her after watching that documentary. So I'm very happy that I did. I wasn't really in the mood to watch a documentary at the time, but uh, I was like, fuck it, we're going to do it. And we did it, and it was great. I really loved it. Um the other one that I'm recommending is uh, a little bit depressing. It's a movie that came out earlier this year called Oh Lucy. Um, it was originally a short film, I believe, and then they adapted it into a feature length. 
And it has Josh Hartnett in it as well as some other actresses. And I can't remember their names. I'm so awful. But uh, the the movie takes place uh, like half of it is in Japan and the other half is in America. And um, it deals with primarily with like suicide and depression. And it's it's quite fascinating because those are two very dark things to talk about. And I feel like they give us uh, like a, a couple of versions of, of those dark things. And it's really good. I really liked it. It's sad. It makes you think. Um, but I think it has a good message in there. If you, you'll have to see it, but um it's not, it kind of, the trailer made it look like it was a comedy, but it's it, some parts of it are funny for sure. But uh, the overall theme of it and and feel of the movie is not quite that. Uh, so just know that if you're going to watch it, know what you're getting into a little bit because it's dealing with a, a, a dark uh, theme of, you know, like I said, suicide and depression. Um, so yeah, those are my two recommendations. And that's all I'm going to have for you guys. I'm sorry if I sounded a bit uh, rambly <laughs> more than usual. Uh, I, I am trying to record this last minute because I have so much I have to get done today. But um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I always enjoy recording this and being able to talk to you all. It's always a delight. So yeah, uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Let me know what you guys are loving this week. And um, yeah, you can email me, like I said at the beginning of the show, you can email me at richard at awkwardhuman.com. You could also go to awkwardhuman.com to check out all the other shows that we do. We have a lot of cool things that we do here. And also, what else? What else? Oh, social media. Uh, You can find the show at Interview a Nerd on Twitter. And uh that's it. You can find me on everything at let Richard C. Uh, that C as in the letter, not as in look or the ocean. <laughs> so it's let Richard C. You can find me everywhere there. Um, yeah. And that's going to be it. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week uh, and month and whatever. It's September. We're already here. We're on the last uh, stretch of the year, I think. Is this still the third quarter or are we in the fourth quarter? I think we're only in the third quarter. Um, wait, hold on. It's the ninth month. No, we're still, we're in the bottom part of the third quarter. All right, I'm going to stop. Let's end it right here. This is getting crazy. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Be kind to one another. Stay safe and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.